Hey, it's Tara with the Ambitious Addicts podcast. Hi, it's Christina with the Broke Girl Society podcast. And we are here, we are back for um, step two of our step series. So uh, today for me, I am working out of the A Woman's Way Through the 12 Steps workbook. Oh, well, yeah, but you're doing yours for codependency. I'm doing mine for Pulsive Gamble. Oh yeah. I probably spoke ahead of what you were going to say. Okay. So the step two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Yeah. And the codependency step is identical. Completely identical. Completely identical. Okay. Well, that's going to be interesting to see how that, how that um, works out. Like I'm, I'm, I'm curious on the codependency part of of restoring sanity. I am like, so glad I did this. I am so I'm glad, glad I did. did I'm so glad I did this because some stuff, some stuff related to step two and like where I wasn't believing came up for me and my work okay. as I did the workbook. Yeah. So, uh, it was definitely different than my, my gambling step two for sure. That's going to be interesting. See how they, see how they, tied together. Do you remember like when you first worked your step two for gambling? Like, mm-hmm. did you, did you struggle at all with the higher power? Um, what I struggled with was actually believing not that a higher power could restore me, but would that I was worthy of restoration okay. is really where I struggled the most. I walked into that 12 step room already having a version of a higher power that I believed in. And I really had a hard time believing that God would even want to restore me. Yeah. And I, I, I can feel that. I'm sorry. My cat just decided to, um, song of her people at this moment. (laughs) So I'm I'm really sorry about that. Um, yeah. So I, that makes a lot of sense because I think that plays into our, you know, shame, guilt, self-worth. Like, are we even worthy of recovery? Are we even worthy of good things? Because I don't know about you, but for me, um, all the bad things that I did, like, um, kind of plays into that karma. Like I've never been a firm believer of karma. I just, I just think things are just going to happen the way they're going to happen. But you know, they always say what goes around comes around. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of struggle with that. Like, well, I, you know, I was a shitty person. Like, do I deserve, do I deserve a good life? Right. And yeah, I, so coming to believe, so coming to believe that a power greater than me could restore me to sanity. What that was not where I struggled. Um, I already had a belief that a higher power outside of me existed. And I already had a loose definition or a definition of that. I would say that my definition of higher power has immensely expanded and also the version of a higher power that I believed would not only could, could and would, but both of those, um, restore me that evolved over time, you know, initially, like even before I walked into the rooms of recovery, it was a therapist was a higher power. And then in the rooms of recovery, 
when I was struggling to believe that I was worthy of restoration from this version of a higher power that I'd grown up believing in, I then leaned on my belief in the power of the group and the people in the room or my decisions to uh, live a better life and choose, you know, choose more wisely and be more intentional with my choices that, that, that higher version of myself was even a higher power that I, that I knew could restore me and would. I wasn't sure if God would. <laughs> I was like, I yeah. had to come to believe that God would, that I was worthy of God's restoration and my version of God. Right. I never even broke it down like that. I never even um, thought about it, thought about it in those terms for me. And I, I, I know, cause you worked step two with me that, you know, that I've kind of, I kind of struggled. Mm-hmm. I struggled with this part. And I see that a lot of people do struggle with this part um, between step two and three. And um, it is, it is kind of hard sometimes just, just, I don't know. I think for me, I controlled everything for so long. Um, just, just believing that a higher power could, could fix it or could, could restore it. Um, I don't know. I think it just all plays back into just unworthiness, just sheer unworthiness. I'm glad to say today that I don't feel like I did when, I, when we first started working step two. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, I'm so that's a to good see, thing. Yeah. I'm glad to see that change, uh, in you as well. I mean, in the short t- amount of time as we've known one another, that has 180. <laughs> it, it has, it definitely has. And I think it's like, once I finally came to, to accept that I am, I, you know, that I am worthy of something besides this addiction and the life that I created with this addiction, that I am worthy of, of happiness and I am worthy of a good life. And, and it also kind of took, took this turn too, when I decided to put so much energy into like my social media and just talking with women, because I thought in a way that maybe, um, that's my purpose in this, like, that's kind of like, um, like repairing that or like, you know what I'm saying? Right. (laughs) Yeah. I understand what you're saying. Well, and also, you know, you think about like your ability to serve others could be that higher power, the higher version of yourself, right? It's like, oh, right, I, can, yeah. I can be an example of what's possible. I can be a person who tells the truth about this really painful experience in my life. And and by telling the truth, that's a higher power or will help me become a, a greater version of myself and I can stop the insanity. And the insanity, yes. I think, you know, we have to we have to recognize the insanity to even want to believe that we could be restored, right? Like if we right, don't, yeah. like if we don't think what we're doing is insanity, then why would we even try to believe that a power right. greater than us could restore us? We have to acknowledge it. We have to acknowledge that the things in our life aren't right. And, yeah. This um, is what fascinates me the most about this, the 12 steps. The, a lot of people have a hard time admitting that they have a hard time. I mean, I think that's most of us, right? Yeah. Right before, right before we, you know, we're right at the cusp of that, that change. 
And it's just like the biggest thing. It's like even admitting, you know, that I was an addict, like, yes. And so it's just like, it's just by admitting that, by admitting that your life is unmanageable and, and, you know, from step one and, and chaos, um, it's just, it's scary. It also allows us to see the insanity. Yeah. So what I love about the 12 steps is kind of what seems to be this true intentionality about the order of the steps. Like in the first few steps, we're looking around us, right? And we're looking at the unmanageability and then we're looking at higher power. And then as we get further into it, we're looking at us. Yeah. Yeah, And then the latter half becomes about service. So I, but I, I don't think without step one, where we really looked at the unmanageability that we'd created in our lives, that our ability to acknowledge some of that was insanity on the big books of definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. That's yeah, that's very true. It's just like, um, just staying in the cycle yeah, and expecting that the results are going to change, even though we know that they won't. Um, but we still go in with this belief that they will. Right. And, and they absolutely won't. So on this, um, in this workbook, it talks about, um, it talks about faith and it says no one truly believes in nothing. We all take some beliefs for granted. So it lists, it lists, it asks you to list examples that you have faith in, you know, the five things that you trust. Mm-hmm. And it could be as simple as, you know, the sun's going to rise tomorrow. Yeah. Or it could be as simple as, um, the moon's going to be there behind the clouds. Yeah. It's going to be dark at night. Right. Exactly. Or, you know, just, just like the simple things that we don't even think about anymore because we, we have faith that they're just going to, to happen. Yeah. And, um, you know, and when I, I'm looking at my notes from when I worked this, um, back a few months ago and, um, it's kind of sad when I'm looking at this because I can really kind of tell where my mind was at because I put in here on my list, I put, I trust that someone will miss me when I'm gone. And I, I don't know if that's, if I was still kind of in that, that dark frame of mind, I'm, I'm really not sure why I wrote that, but I mean, I, I do, I do trust that somebody will, but also, you know, it, it comes to like, I trust that if I drop a rock, it will fall, not rise. You know, it could be just, yeah, just like the simplicity of things, or it could be the heavier things. Yeah. The simplicity of things, you know, I, I have, you know, I trust the grocery store will have groceries. Well, COVID, you know, blew my mind on that. <laughs> I trust I will have toilet paper when I need it. Yeah, <laughs> I trust, I trust, but, but then on the other side of it, like things that did continue to happen, right? I trust that the leaves will change color in the fall Yeah, I, and that birds will sing, you know, to like, I looked a lot at nature for my examples, maybe because the prompt was the sunrise. And that's just where my brain went was kind of to the, the things that I don't even question for a moment are going to be true. Uh, and what I thought was fascinating about the grocery store example is like, oh, when humankind has any, any, any part of whether or not that thing happens, it's possible it doesn't happen. So the grocery yeah, stores, true. right? Not having 
not at, like I never in my life had thought that I would walk into a grocery store and be like, oh, there's no carrots, there's no lettuce, there's no toilet paper, there's no wipes, there's nothing. But maybe like Braunschweigert on the shelf of my local grocery store right? For, for a good week, right? I had never thought for one second to question whether or not that would ever be available to me. I completely took it for granted. Me too. But me too. what that shows me is that when man is in charge, something can go wrong. Because we're humans. Right. Imperfect. Right. True. Now, how does this play into codependency? I knew you were going to get there. So Mm -hmm. here's what I see as my aha around the difference in my work on gambling, which I did nearly five years ago. And my work on codependency, which I'm just doing fresh. Now, I've done some reflection around my my codependency and my relationships with others, but I've never worked 12 steps on it. And what's fascinating to me is that there's completely different versions of insanity. Really? What insanity looked like for me as a compulsive gambler was, you know, moving money around, standing at the ATM. I think I talked about this last time, like standing at the ATM and like, oh crap, I got to like shuffle where the money is in order to be able to make a withdrawal. That was insanity. I did that over and over again and it never felt good, but I did that to continue feeding my addiction. Well, the did version- you stand there? Did you stand there waiting for 1201 so that your ATM card would reset? Oh, and my player card to get my little free <laughs> slot cash. Oh God. Insanity. Insanity, Insanity. right? Oh, I got to stay like I should be home in bed and I got to work at 7 a.m. tomorrow, but I'm going to wait till 12.01 a.m. for my free play. Yeah. Insanity. <laughs> it's insane. insane. Yeah. Not going to bed. Insane, right? And when I look at that through the lens of codependency and how many times I tried to have control over other people or my relationship with other people and the things I did or didn't do in order to influence or affect their opinion of me, their love of me and my attachment to them was nuts. Like I can look at the things I did over and over and over again in my attempts to receive whatever it was I was trying to get from the external force, the person in this case. And I repeated that pattern with parents, with boyfriends, with friends, with my child. And I did it over and over and over again, but it didn't affect the outcome. It was a totally different form of manipulation. I wasn't manipulating to gamble. In this case, I was manipulating for their opinion of me, for their relationship with me, wear the right clothes, wear the right makeup, put your hair the certain way, speak the certain way, use the same, use the right vocabulary, have sex, whether you want to or not. Yeah. That really hit me hard the way that you said that. Because I never, I mean, I've been steps that, I mean, I've thought about the things, the actions that I've done, just, it's almost like, okay, I'm trying to hide myself, right? I don't want anybody to see me. Yeah. And so I'm putting on this, this facade, you know, of, 
of how I want people to perceive me because I want them to love me. I want them to like me. I want them to not know that I have this secret. Right. And yeah, the things that I did to get their love and or attention or so-called respect. Mm-hmm. Um, Friendship. Yeah. yeah. Friendship. You yeah. know, like, don't leave me, you know, yeah. I was so messed up myself. But. Yeah. So when I, yeah. So me too, it hit me hard when I looked at it from this lens of like, well, what does insanity look like when I'm acting out in a codependent pattern? That's what it looks mm-hmm. like way different than what it looks like with gambling. Yeah. Like gambling insanity was, was different. It was around the money. It was around the lying. It was around the hiding. It was around the shame. It was it the was, justification. Yeah. The justification of every action. we. we yeah. Took. Everything I did to try to keep gambling. Right. I, mm-hmm. that, that was the insanity and, you know, all the things I was neglecting in my life as a result of it. And the same thing shows up when I relationships, right. When I look at like wanting love from a, a romantic partner and what I did in order to make that happen. And the consequence that that had on me being a mother, you know, the mother I wanted to be like, I was just like we do with gambling, like for the sake of a relationship or someone else's perception of me, I would, you know, not achieve a goal in another area of my life. Mm-hmm. Something I wanted, something I desired. Like, like when we were gambling, we probably wanted to be retiring, you know, saving for retirement or a vacation or a car or a house. And we weren't, <laughs> you know, we're acting. Right. Uh, yeah. So it was really, really insightful for me to look at this in like, what is insanity in relationships and the things that I did um, because of the codependency. And you said this last week that we're going to be really surprised. People are going to be surprised at how many things overlap. Yeah. And you just pointed one out. Yeah. And it, I think by, by working both of these together though, it kind of, it kind of takes the aspect, not just on the gambling, not just on what we did while we were gambling, not just those actions, but maybe the reason behind those actions. And, um, you know, when you talk about this, because it's hitting me very personally right in life, and I'm not going to go into that part of it day, but, um, yeah. So it's just thinking about, about how that the things that we did, the, the insanity of just trying to feed this addiction, but then you look at just the, the other side of it. Like, it's not just what we, what we did, it, why we did it kind of like, yeah. Well, and when you get into the point, like with, with any addiction, we are hiding, we are lying. We are pretending to be someone we're not because we want to shape the relationship with other people and their perception of us. So how could we have an addiction and not have codependency? I don't know. Exactly. Like, I don't, I don't know either because even, even when we, when we talked the last step episode, although wait, I take that back. I have met alcoholics who are like very proud of their alcohol use and actually (laughs) don't have any shame or guilt about it. Yeah. They're like, I'm not a quitter. Yeah. Or like, I can drink you under the table, <laughs> you know, like, and like they, they take pride right. in their alcohol consumption. <laughs> but I'm wondering though, are, th- and are those people like truly alcoholics or are know. they just, just like really like to drink? Like, is there oh, a difference? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But I was kind of saying like the codependency, although maybe they're trying to create this. Of course, we're talking like shame, guilt, maybe they're trying right. to create like a, 
a powerful, infallible perception of themselves. That's yeah, a good point. I, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, just trying to make it seem like it's not like, okay, I'm an alcoholic. People are going to know I'm an alcoholic. Let's just make it, you know, I'm going to be this, this version it. of an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to own it. And then people aren't going to look at me, you yeah. know, with that kind of look. And that's, <laughs> I, I bet you a lot of that, a lot of that is probably, yeah. So it also talks about, um, okay, trust, you know, faith and trust. So it says here, the most important thing we need to believe or trust in recovery is that help is available. And this is huge for me because when I first tried to start my recovery, I've talked about this a thousand times. I tried to do it on my own. I failed. The second time I did it, I I, I dug and dug and dug. I was trying to find help. I didn't know. I was so scared of recovery in itself anyway. Um, but just trying to find help, like I didn't, I didn't know what help was out there. And so I, you know, I was really scared of help at the same time too, because I didn't know what it was going to, what it was going to mean for me. I didn't know what it was going to expect of me. And, um, but now that I'm in recovery and navigated kind of the lines of help and the lines of recovery. Um, that is a huge part is knowing that help is out there there. Uh, and I, and one of my goals in the future is, is to help make it easier for people to find it. Um, but just knowing, and I mean, there's, there's you just knowing you are there for me. Um, cause I know that I could call you at, at any moment and be like, I'm really struggling. And I know that you would, you'd be right there for me. Um, or Mary, my therapist, or my mom, or the women in our, in our groups. Um, I just know that I could put something out there and I would have somebody hold the, you know, bring it out to me and say, yeah, okay, we can do that. Got this. Yeah. And that is huge. That is, that is, and that is, and I have tremendous trust in that. And you didn't before. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, right. I didn't even, I didn't even, didn't even know anybody else had this problem, <laughs> which sounds absolutely crazy now, but I didn't know that somebody else had this problem, right? Had the same problem that I did. And so now, um, now I know different. Yeah. It turns out more than a couple. <laughs> more than a couple. And though I'm happy to not, not be alone in my struggles. I'm, I'm sad that there are so many of us struggling. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Which is why I think we're both really committed to to helping other women in recovery, no matter what they're struggling with, because we both know what it really felt like to feel so alone. And like, there wasn't anybody that we could trust. Right. Right. And just not knowing who to trust, who mm-hmm. to even talk to. Yeah. Not, and I, I posted something the other day because it's really hit me when I was talking to a woman who is, and I was like, you know, she's like, I don't need somebody throwing the book at me. I don't need somebody saying, go to meeting. I know what to do. I, you know, I've been trying this for a while, you know, we were kind of talking about that and said, you know, there's just two words I wanted to hear when I was starting recovery. And that was, I understand. Those are huge, powerful words to somebody who needs to know that somebody understands. Yeah. There's another two word sentence that also uh, is really powerful. I understand I'm here. We could probably come up with a bunch of them, but those we probably two, could. Those the two together, <laughs> those two sentences together, I think, really helped me know that someone 
was going to be there and that I wasn't alone. I mean, from that first phone call I made for help that I was so scared to make, right? You know, no judgment, just love. Well, I was so scared of that. (laughs) And it turned out okay. Yeah, exactly. And and that plays into the trust. It's like, um, you know, I talk about, you know, when, when we're in our, in our addiction or we're in our, even, even on the codependency side, you know, we build this facade so that, so that we were accepted and we're not judged and can be included. You know, I, I built this house of cards mm-hmm. and when I decided to go, go into recovery and accept recovery, I was so scared this house of cards was going to fall and it did, it did. And through recovery though, I'm able to pick up a card. No, you're not. Order no cards allowed. <laughs> no cards allowed. Well, I, I get <laughs> that, but <laughs> yeah. And so that's, that's kind of the way that I look at it though. Like, it's just kind of like, I pick it up, I put it, put it back in the stack and then I'll pick up another one, work it, work on it, put it back in the stack. So it's just kind of like, that's just, I'm a visual person. And to me, that's just visually how, how you do it. Because, you know, when you've got lies and promises and things like that, you just build them and build them and build them. And, you know, I was just so scared of all that crashing down around me and it did, but I'm okay. You know, I'm, I'm moving through it. That that's another thing about just having trust that it will work out things that you're scared to move past, or you're scared that it's going to come crashing down on you. It may, it may come crashing down on you, but just trust that it will work out. Right. Yeah. And that's where you know, that that's where in the workbook, when it kind of shifts into then talking about the beliefs and like what you believe, do you believe A or do you believe B? And then kind of rating like what level of belief you're at. This is one of the most powerful things we can do, not just for step two, but for everything that very true that we believe, because Going back to that earlier, what do you believe? And talking about like how nature, you know, there's some things in nature that we're just like, yep, that's going to happen. And mm-hmm. we, we believe it. And that's because we've thought it for so long. And that's really all a belief is. It's a thought in our mind that we've thought so many times that we now choose to believe it. And believing is a choice and we get to decide what we believe. And when, when we look at like the example in this workbook, like, do you believe A or do you believe B? What evidence do you have for this? You know, how would you live if you believed this was true? And when you look at two contrasting things, let's take worthiness, right? If you believe you're not worthy, how do you show up in the world? Versus if you believe you're worthy and how you show up in the world. Interesting. And, and I know now that I believe I'm worthy, I show up very different than when I didn't believe that I was worthy. Yeah. When, and it's the same for me. Um, you know, I, I do believe I'm worthy and by believing I'm worthy, it, it makes putting myself out there so much easier. Um, because when I was feeling unworthy, I didn't want to be seen. Right. I didn't want any attention on me. I didn't want to fight back for myself. I didn't want to, um, yeah, I didn't want to do anything for myself because I didn't, 
I didn't want to be seen. And that's a big thing for me right now is I didn't want to be seen. And now that I feel, I feel worthy. I feel like we're all worthy of recovery. Um, I'm, I'm going to put myself out there and I'm fight for that. Oh, there, it is a big difference. It is a big difference how we show up. Yeah. And I am relating it back to the codependency piece. If we don't believe we're worthy, that means we don't believe that our ideas are that our ideas are worthy <laughs> or worth yeah. expressing or worth sharing. And this is for me, I was just my own personal experience that I, because I didn't believe I was worthy. It was like, well, I don't know. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I believe. I don't know what I care about. I don't know what my politics are. I don't know how to dress myself. You know, Hey, is this outfit? Okay. You know, because I didn't believe I had the capacity to even make the most basic decisions because I was going to F it up every time. I was always going to make the wrong choice because <laughs> when you're trying to please all the people <laughs> all the time, someone's always going to be let down and someone's going to be disappointed. So if we can get to the point where we have this belief that our higher power is going to restore us. And we walk forward in that belief, then things like you and I connecting on Instagram are possible. Yes. Because that, because that instance changed my life and And it changed my, my recovery. And yeah. And it's like, you know, that the higher power that that's one of the things. And we'll talk about that in the next step um, episode is how I came to believe. Cause I did struggle with it. So, but yeah, absolutely. I really like how you put that. <laughs> I am so, just so glad we met. There's something I haven't told you about how that episode happened or how oh. I even, so I, I think I told you that something fell through with another guest. <laughs> is this where you tell me, is this where you tell me that I was like playing F or something? <laughs> No, because I'd already been kind of like, I've been watching you on Instagram, right? And I was like, oh, there's somebody talking about gambling. This is cool. You know, I think I started following you when your account was like almost, (laughs) you, I think you followed me first and I followed you back because I saw you were posting about gambling and I was like, yep, right away, followed you back. And I'd been kind of watching and figuring out like, how am I, you know, what do I want to say? Or just getting a feel for what you're putting out there or whatever. And my podcast was so new, you know, I still was, I still was, you know, struggling with whether or not I was worthy for people to come on and be, (laughs) be a guest with. And, uh, and I had, uh, met a person who wanted to come on and talk about their experience with, uh, sex addiction and compulsive masturbation. Okay. And, we did like a discovery session Mm -hmm. and I'm so glad I did because I now believe I'm worthy and that I can hold my own values and that my higher power is leading me and that my higher power will guide me through, you know, I'll get a sense of if it's right or if it's wrong, if I'm not acting compulsively. Right. So if I was acting compulsively myself, like I did in my gambling addiction and like I do with people pleasing, I would have worried about that person. Like we'll talk about codependent. I'll just, I'll frame it in the context of codependency. So if my codependency is on high and I'm really worried about pleasing that other person, I would have been more focused on that person getting their story out than honoring the values that I want to live by. 
who I am. And in that introductory conversation that I had with the individual, they shared something with me that is an opposite of my beliefs. And I'm okay. We had a beautiful conversation. We we had a beautiful conversation, two humans connecting and no judgment. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I said, this is not a message that I want to be associated with. I know. Okay. I, I, I believe you believe what you believe, but I don't share that with you. And so my podcast isn't a great place for you to tell this story, but I'm happy to support you in your recovery. Um, and it truly has to do with core values of things that I care about in the world related to inclusion and diversity. It's like a non-starter for me. <laughs> anyway, so I, so that kind of went south and I was like, okay, well now what? Like it, according to your own little plan for yourself, you want to be having someone who is sharing an experience of recovery on this next episode and some other guests I had lined up were further out and hadn't been recorded yet. And so I finally was like, oh, well, okay, time to reach out to Broke Girl. And I reached out right away. You were like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about it. It's been my mission all along. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that was just a great moment. And we're aligned on what we want to put out. <laughs> we're aligned in those values. We're not going to be contradicting people. Right. Each other. I mean, it's okay to have contradicting opinion and what have you, but some of that core belief stuff, like that, if it's going on my podcast, I get to control that. It's my podcast, my choice kind of a thing, you know? Yes. Mm -hmm. And, and I believe God's going to bring the right people to me for the audience that that podcast is intended to reach. Yes. And, and you're um, one of them <laughs> and yeah. your relationship that's meant to be in my life, I believe as well. Yeah. I, and, and it all just goes back to, um, power like stepping as I needed somebody like you help me with my recovery, because honestly, if I'm, I'm being really honest. And if I hadn't met you and I'm not sure, I'm not sure that I would be as far along as I am because you were so far along in your recovery and you so great and helpful to me, um, you know, working through these steps and things that, um, yeah, I mean, I just owe a lot to, to you that, um, you know, to the higher power and, and just trusting that, that, you know, there is a plane. And, and when we met, you were still coming to believe in a higher power. Yeah. I was really struggling with it. You know, I'd been raised in church, uh -huh. you know, and, and all that, but I was just so, just so broken, you know, in so many different ways. And, and, and I felt guilty. I felt guilty about that too, because you know, I didn't have the worst childhood. You know, I, I didn't, yes, I, I had a tough childhood, but, but so many people had it so, so much worse. And so it was just like, I didn't really have like this traumatic past. Um, and so I struggled with, with even being worthy of, of not being worthy, if that makes any sense, if that makes any sense at all. I struggled <laughs> with being worthy of not being worthy. Um, and, you know, just through, through recovering, through working this, um, it just, it just really aligned that with me that, that we all have our struggles, that we all, um, you know, have these things in our life that, that send us down our path, 
and whether we're worthy or, or not worthy of um, the guilt and shame uh, of that. You're wondering if you're worthy of being unworthy. If that is fascinating. I think that um, is also something that we can get, we can get caught in this trap, you know, back to beliefs, right? We've got this belief that a power greater than ourselves is going to restore us, or we're working to have that belief. When you are walking into recovery thinking like, well, I, my life wasn't bad enough. How did I end up here? Right. Yeah. That's a, that belief was harmful to your progress in recovery or to choosing recovery. Cause you're like, who am I to, who am I to end up with an addiction? Who am I, you know, who am I to end up in this worthless place? I must just be a worthless person and not, not have the right to feel this way about myself. So therefore I can't share it with anybody. That's exactly right. That's exactly how I felt. One of the many, many emotions that I felt. And I think that might be one of the many, many emotions that a lot of women feel like, who am I to complain? Um, There's so, so many, so, so many other things going wrong in this world. And, you know, but you are worthy of a good life and you're, you're worthy of the help that it takes to get you there. No matter what your situation is, no matter what your addiction is. Um, and coming to terms with that, a move in the right direction, huge step in the right direction. And there's a part of the, the book that accompanies this workbook, um, that I'm going to say the word work again, that we're working through, (laughs) um, around the safety of insanity. And this just really resonated with me. And we're talking about that worthy, you know, the worthiness piece of things like for, I'll just read right out of it. For some of us, it's safer to believe there's something wrong with us than to be aware of the reality of our lives. This is especially true for women who've been victims of physical, emotional, and sexual abuse, either as children or adults. It can be easier to think we are the crazy ones than to acknowledge how hopeless we feel in an abusive situation. The definition of an abusive situation is an individual definition. If you felt like you were being abused or mistreated, who is anyone to tell you that you're not? And I think this resonated because I'm working on codependency, right? Mm-hmm. I was probably in a pretty abusive relationship with my bank account and the casino too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, that, that was definitely <laughs> right. right. I, don't, I was often abusing, right? I, I don't mean to make light of abusive sure. situations, but there were so many times in my life where something was being done to me that hurt someone's words, someone's actions, someone's dismissal that, and even an employer, but where I was emotionally hurt by the thing and felt I was being abused. And instead of looking at it for what it was like factually and backing up from it, I would go to the opposite end and be like, Oh no, you're wrong. Your expectations are too high. You want too much. You're being too sensitive. 
you're making shit up. Like, is it, did it really happen that way? Or are they right? And I, I just personally look at that experience as it relates to codependency. And I was like, whoa, like I absolutely felt so hopeless that I didn't even bother to try to look at what part of it was within my control and what part of it that I could turn over to God. Instead of preying on something, I would twist and turn in the wind to try to please that person and not, and walk on the eggshells to not even so much as crack them that I lost myself completely. Anyhow, sorry, deep stuff. I was in the the very snow. I mean, I think that's, it's the deep stuff that we've got it. We've got to sort through that. We've got to talk through. Um, I think for me too, I was in a very, um, I struggle with that exactly that exact thing. Um, am I, am I being abused? Because I was in a, in a very narcissistic unhealthy relationship for a very long time. And even though he didn't physically harm me, um, he, he verbal, it was, it was a lot of mind twisting, a lot of gaslighting, um, a lot of control. And it was like, for some reason, even as horrible as those things were, I still was just trying to bend over backwards to make him happy. Cause I kept thinking, well, if I, if I be this way, or I do do things this way, um, maybe he, he will be kinder or, you know, but then it goes to the, the walking on eggshells and, you know, just doing things you don't want to do, um, just to make the other person more comfortable, but yeah, we lose ourselves in that. Yeah. And you know, when you, when you talk about those things and and really think about those things, no wonder I needed to escape, (laughs) right? You know, no wonder I needed to escape. No wonder, you know, we can, we can stop the gambling, but when we stop the gambling, the issues that send us gambling are still there. Right. And it's very important that we work through them. It's that's why these steps are so important. Recognizing just even, even just just talking out loud about that particular situation is, is freeing to an extent, totally. you know, because I, I was so, I, I was, I mean, I can still kind of feel the shame and the guilt mm-hmm. in that situation of even just, just allowing myself to lose myself um, in that situation and in that relationship. And when I, yeah. And I think that that's, I'm, I think I had a similar experience when it comes to the, the decision, the decision to stay, you feel shame, the decision to go, you're questioning your decision and maybe whether or not you weren't loving them hard enough or whatever. That was my experience. It sounds like yours was similar. Don't let me put words in your mouth. No, it it was very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I, I grew, I grew up uh, with a single mom. I didn't, I didn't have a father in my life. And I think that's, that's kind of where, where that played in the most for me was with men. Um, and, and getting, getting that, that affection and that, that love. Now, even if, even if it was the wrong kind. Right. Well, we talked, yeah. 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 We talked about, um, that wound of not having a good paternal role model in our lives. I think we've talked about that before. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I share that with you. And also I did, I did have a stepfather who was Good sometimes. Not when he was drunk. Not when he was mad. 
No, you know, there's rare, there's rare occasions where you caught them in between. Yeah. And I had this experience with learning that my biological father had committed suicide that I think created for me this like desire to hold on to anybody. And then all the death I've experienced, when I look at this step and coming to believe that a higher power is going to restore me to sanity, one of the thoughts that I really believed was true is that if I love them, they will hurt me or they will leave me. And I'm intentionally single right now. (laughs) And I'm really looking at like, is that belief gone? I think it's gone. I think that that's gone. I've been working on it for quite some time. And yet the couple of times I dated before, it still kind of showed up in this relationship where I started to prioritize what that person wanted to do, where they wanted to go, what, whatever. Like, right. And found myself, you know, taking a bit still to speak up and go, you know what? I go into the bar for every date. It just isn't fun to me. I don't right. want to do that. That's not what I want to do. Yeah. And just kind of this, you know, I always prided myself on being very go with the flow mm-hmm. and not, and being able to, you know, I can, I can truly have fun in any situation, which is a true blessing that I can have gratitude for <laughs> lots of it, lots yeah. of gratitude for that. But at the same time, you are a fun person. Oh, thanks. You're fun too. <laughs> I think that's why we probably ramble on when we're on these conversations. I uh, know they're like, wait, what step are we on now? Yeah, we're still on step <laughs> two. <laughs> but in, in the, in the, dating situation and like back to this codependency, like, ah, like I, I still take a minute to, to be me. I still take a minute to believe that if I tell my truth and I trust my higher power, that my higher power knows who I'm meant to have relationship with and who I am not. And that my higher power is just going to sort it out. If I can just focus on being true to myself. I love that. I love that. Cause I, I can, I can feel the truth in that. Um, because we, we make the mistake sometimes of not being ourselves and of, of being, you know, just that people pleasing and, and just wanting, wanting it to work out so bad for whatever reason. And then, but I'm finding now, um, even just today, I had a conversation with somebody that six months ago, I would have just kept my mouth shut and my head down and I wouldn't, wouldn't have, have stood up for myself. And today I just, I said my truth. I said how I felt and they didn't like it because it's one of those things where, you know, when we set boundaries and and we do our truth, um, it's usually the people that get upset are the people that benefited from us not having those boundaries. Um, And that's, that's kind of what happened, but I didn't have any guilt. I didn't have any remorse. I didn't have any I didn't, cause normally if I had done that, I would have been like so anxious. I wouldn't have been able to calm down. Like it would have just had me all worked up. But after this particular situation happened, um, I was calm. I was cool. And I felt free. And that's pretty powerful for somebody that spent years head down and her mouth shut. Totally. You start working this program of honesty, open-mindedness and willingness, right? Like that changes your life. It changes everything. It does. And then everything around you starts to change. And that's, that's, that's pretty amazing. So I will, I was going to say, like, I'd love to wrap it up with one question in the workshop workbook on page 
starts on 20 and then you list it out on 21. When you think of yourself as restored to sanity, what picture of yourself comes to mind? And I did that with words. I'm not a visual person. I am, um, uses language more than I do imagery. It does give the option of doing kind of like a vision board or something like that, which I've, I've also done. But in this case, I wrote it out. And I, as I work this workbook, remember I'm doing this now when I think about codependency and not about gambling. My version of sanity when I stopped gambling looked very different than this version of sanity. And that's another one of the things that I was like, wow, like this is so different than what I was thinking about when I was early in my recovery from gambling, because I looked at all of these through the lens of my gambling action. So I'm looking through this lens of my relationships with others. And I, I answer this restored to sanity and I'm like, wow, this is great. Like I want all of this. So, uh, I am safe. I am protected. I am brave. I am vulnerable. My yes means yes. I am honest. I say no easily to the things that I do not want in my life. That's it. I like it. Oh, wait, um, no, I lied. There's one more. I take <laughs> care of me, my goals before giving to others and their goals. Here I have a will to uh, drawing of a flower. <laughs> That's because I'm a visual person. Yeah. So I put this flower that, you know, like kind of droopy, you know, like maybe I'm in Oklahoma and it's ridiculously hot here and, you know, kind of this droopy, this droopy flower. And then all of a sudden a little bit of rain comes in and it starts to perk up. Yeah. That's kind of how I see, um, you know, my higher power restoring my sanity is just kind of giving me life, you know, giving me, giving me life back or giving me my life back. And so that's, that's kind of what I did. I just kind of drew this little flower and then I kind of did it, you know, in three parts, you know, droopy flower, wilted flower, and then, um, a little bit of rain on the flower and then the flower perking up. That's, that's kind of how I, how I saw it. I love it. Right back to, you know, the laws of nature, like a higher, like the higher power bringing the rain and the sun, because we know damn well, humans aren't creating that. Right. (laughs) Exactly. That's a very, that's a very good point. And I think that's why, you know, when I, when I do think of like the higher power, I think for me more universal, more, yeah, um, more in nature and just more with, with that. And so, um, yeah, good place to leave it. I agree. So we will call that a wrap. Thanks for joining us to hear us talk about step two. And hopefully, hopefully you, you, um, have a wonderful day. Yeah. Reach out to either one of us anytime. Our contact info is in the show notes.